Welcome back to the peripheral. A couple quick updates. I shared a very personal and embarrassing story on the podcast Squirm. Stories that make you squirm. Squirm is produced by another podcast you might have heard of called They Walk Among Us, who recently won gold for the best true crime podcast at the first British Podcast Awards. So Squirm is a side project that's supposed to be funny and unnerving. So check it out. I do have an upcoming episode that I'm working on that was a Patreon request about odd medical conditions. So Sarah, be patient. You'll be next. Love ya. I promised you that I was going to lighten the mood a little bit. On this episode, I'm joined by Jeremy and Maeve, who are from another podcast called Sexland. And you can find them on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. They are very sex positive, talk about dating, talk about how to go about dating. These things might not sound taboo, but I know a lot of 40-year-olds who get divorced and have to start their lives over trying to seek out a new partner. And there's not a lot of help out there. Also, there isn't a lot of guidelines or advice that people give for dating. And there's ways to keep yourself safe. There's ways to avoid the potholes of the dating scene. Jeremy and Maeve bring up a lot of good points, anywhere from what to do, how to set up a profile, to how to keep yourself safe. And if you check out their last episode, you'll hear how I met my wife and how we got through a long-distance relationship together. Uh, I actually recorded in the room with them, so the sound is much different than most of my interviews, but I tried to uh, lessen the noise and bring up our voices as much as possible Uh, it totally changes the dynamic when you're in the room with others so it's a fun conversation I hope you guys hi my name is Maeve Uh, Jeremy likes to refer to me as sex positive Maeve yep Uh, I'm Jeremy I don't have a cool name (laughs) no he's just Jeremy (laughs) and we're actually sitting facing each other right now in the same room which is much different than how I normally do interviews so I I hope that it adds value we'll just start with you okay Uh, if you don't mind sharing maybe how old you are and how we ended up here Okay. Uh, I actually, in uh, in our podcast, okay. the Sexland podcast, I, I generally try to be a little bit cagey about that, my age. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, let's just say I'm... <laughs> Never going to see 20 again. Never going to see 20 again. Uh, I am over 30 and under 50. <laughs> okay. That's a good target. Yeah. <laughs> and what was the other question you asked? Um, and how we ended up here talking about what oh, we're going to talk how, about. How we ended up here. Well, Jeremy and I, like I said, we have our Sexland podcast, mm-hmm. and we try to find the funny in the shit of dating. <laughs> and sometimes you need a really, really long spade to be able to dig yeah. through that much shit just to find a little nugget of funny. Yeah. So you guys are single? Yes. Yes. 
and you're in the dating scene. Yes. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and drop my age because I, I, I'm uh, relatively open about who and what I am as far as the uh, purpose of podcasts goes. Uh, I'm 40, mm-hmm. and I'm single. And being 40 and single is uh, a state of being which carries with it a great deal of stigma <laughs> and even more shit. So that's well, where and, I'm... And you've never been married. Never been married, no. I've, I've been in uh, a myriad of uh, short and medium term and a few long term relationships. But no, I, I, I almost got married. Most recently I'm out of an, uh, uh, out of an engagement that ended because I rushed to the decision that I just there's a there's a, a countdown going on in your life and uh, I started to think that I needed to find someone before uh, uh, before I got much older so I could continue on with my life which is a ridiculous idea but I wound up in an engagement that wasn't for me and uh, that ended badly so you mm. rushed into things I did I did. I rushed into things and I settled on uh, someone that was. Uh, she's a very good person, but not necessarily what I was, what I would consider somebody that I would want to be with, like for I don't know ever. So as we get older, we feel the clock is running out. Well, in my situation, it was, it was the same thing, only in a totally different direction because I got married in my twenties and had a, a you know fairly good length marriage uh and then i was closing in on 40 and went oh crap this is not the way i want to live the rest of my life (laughs) and that's what it yeah that's what it comes down to is you get to a point where you feel like i'm closing in on this age and here i am staring down the barrel of the rest of my life what do i want that to be like midlife crisis in well, a way, I mean, it, fuck it, you. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it feels so reductive, but um, yes. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it winds up being is a midlife crisis where you're not certain about certain about the direction that you're taking or whether or not that that's where you want to go in the first place. So yeah, yeah um, no, I get it. I and I'm not trying to be dismissive or crappy. I, I'm too I, late. I, <laughs> <laughs> I I had a quarter life crisis at around twenty seven. Ah, yeah. So I, I shifted my entire life around, and then I think I had another one, kind of a year and a half ago, and I'm forty. So so you're having to figure out want to settle down with somebody, but we we instinctually want to settle down. We don't want to be alone, typically, right? I actually don't want to settle down with anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I will ever want to settle down with anybody again. Um, I, of course, everybody likes companionship, and of course, everybody wants to find sex somewhere every now and again. Mm, yeah, it's yeah. a, <laughs> a good find when you find it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's quality. But, uh, you know, having having had a really long-term relationship, and I, I have had kids, so I don't feel that biological uh, clock yeah. anymore. And... So when I look at things, I'm like, is that something I want again? Um, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe I should have phrased it, you, you seek the company of others. But sure. Maybe, yeah. 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 <laughs> Human beings are inherently social animals. We're, we're, we organize ourselves into social groups, make friendships, relationships. That doesn't really change when you decide, well, I don't want to get married. It just means that the dynamic of that sexual and emotional relationship or relationships 
uh, is going to be different than you know just traditional marriage. Mm-hmm. So, but that's something that has been a benefit to both of us in our relationship that I mean despite the fact that we are not sexually involved with each other right we're very intimately involved with each other and that takes up some of that space yeah in my case in being, a good way yeah in, in my case being 40 a lot of my friends are married many have kids raising families that kind of thing and uh, they don't have a lot of time to hang out with their single friends, which is completely understandable because single people bring a different dynamic to that kind of situation uh, than, you know, normal, quote-unquote normal, stable people in a in a long-term marriage. Because <laughs> we're not normal and we're <laughs> unstable. <laughs> Do you feel any, I guess, judgment from your married friends with kids and everything because you're 40 and single or 40 and not settled down since my friends don't suck i don't feel that. <laughs> i don't feel that from them i don't have to i don't have to deal with that uh, from from my own perspective uh i haven't had to deal with friends being so much judgmental as just i feel a lot of the time like when i'm around my married friends i am a little bit of a sideshow because there is that interest in the things that single people do that married people don't get to be involved in, and so I, I find myself playing the part of the window into this world of multiple women being around and, and you know, dating and the occasional sexual exploit experience or disaster. <laughs> and and uh, it winds up, uh, you know, when I'm around my friends, I feel like I have a story to tell. I know that they're all very engaged in that story. <laughs> but, but you feel... A little exploited or just a little it's your comedic downfalls <laughs> I feel like that is one of the things that can make uh, shitty dating stories kind of worth the experiences like but do you feel like a freak oh no okay. fuck no no I, I, I just I do know that I'm odd man out if if uh, my friends who are coupled are doing couple things they don't normally invite the fifth wheel yeah so you know which is fine I pretty good at entertaining myself but you're considered to be sort of free range i guess yeah. <laughs> you're unsettled so for me uh, i i actually think this was like a whole different thing that happens when you get a divorce especially when you know you're you're a little bit older at that point almost all your friends are married mm-hmm. and it's almost like a tired trope that you can't keep your married friends once you're divorced and I thought, oh, that's not going to happen to me. You know, these are my good friends. Everything's fine. Yeah, no, you lose your friends when you get divorced. It wasn't even like team wife, team husband. No, because we didn't even have like a nasty divorce or anything. <clears throat> there are a couple of things that happen. One is that, um, you know, maybe sometimes people may be a little uncomfortable in their own marriage. It's gone on to the point where things are... Um, Oh, the honeymoon is over. And it's hard for some people to watch somebody kind of uh, break out. Well, and, and I, I feel like with, with Jeremy or with men, men don't really consider a single man a threat. Right. But yeah. a single woman in the room could be a threat to their relationship. Is yeah. that sort of what you're... It's sort of, yeah, I, yeah, it's that uh, for, for whatever reason, 
divorce divorcing and divorced people seem to make couples uncomfortable uh, to make a really broad generalization yeah. which isn't even fair but yeah. um but yes i found that to be the case and i basically lost my uh, entire social circle at that point which is a common thing to have happen when you get divorced and so over the last so year two years I've really had this whole rebuilding time I have been challenged to find single adult friends yeah so it's a double whammy not only are you single and in the dating scene but you've lost everyone that you know right so now you're having to figure the world out on your own without the support Right. And so then I wind up meeting somebody on a dating site and we, uh, you know. <laughs> to be fair, when, when we met on that dating site, neither one of us was in a good place to be infecting other people with our lives. <laughs> <laughs> I had just gotten to the point where the idea of getting on a dating site and talking to women again seemed like it might be something that was going to be okay, wasn't going to completely stressed me out and it did I, I got a lot of anxiety at times when it was just you know like thinking about oh yeah she looks very nice uh, talking to this person and then you start to really worry about all of the uh, you get anxiety over well where does that go does that wind up leading to another relationship oh my god I don't want to wind up in another fucking relationship right now you start to self sabotage a little you sabotage a little bit but uh, the, the the energy that's making you self sabotage is this for me was this sense of panic like I would look at somebody and then in my mind I would be like okay we'd go on a few dates might be kind of fun oh there'd be sex there and then oh my god here I am in another relationship and I just got out of one and oh so I had this paranoia that uh, was kind of keeping me from uh, from doing very much in the way of dating and then uh, Maeve messaged me on a on a dating website and we started to have these long conversations about our situations and things like that like three hour phone call kind of conversations. several of them yeah. yeah and we decided uh you know after we established this decent rapport we were like okay you know what we'll meet and we'll we'll be open to the idea of dating but if that doesn't work out we're still gonna be friends well it, it's good to set boundaries like that or yeah. or expectations whatever you call them uh because we're adults and we, we can say, this is what I want. And if I don't want to be somewhere, I don't have to be there. If I don't want to engage with somebody, I don't have to. So that's very mature to say, we're going to hang out and be platonic if, if need be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In our podcast, I am constantly encouraging people, you know, if you're single and, you know, you meet somebody who you don't have this romantic connection with and they propose the idea of being friends, I say, go for it because... An extra friend is an extra friend. Now, there might be a quality issue. You know, you might be picky about your friends. But for the most part, if you can make a friend, make a friend. Right. And I have got leery of even doing that anymore because there has been more than one time in my life where I've been like, hey, you know, I didn't really feel the romance spark here on this yeah. first date. I think we get along really well. Maybe maybe we could be friends. And I even said this to a guy who would, he literally just moved to town like the month before. He didn't know anyone. And he said to me that he was too old to be friend-zoned <laughs> and he didn't need any female friends. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the friend-zone and then the girlfriend-zone, those are, yeah. Yeah. It's like if, uh, if May says, you know, 
let's just be friends, and I say, well, you're friend-zoning me, then May can always come back on me and say, then why are you trying to girlfriend-zone me? Why are you trying to say that any association with me has to be by those particular bounds and, and standards of girlfriend? So. And, it, and it sucks because you're single, you're trying to date, mm. and other people are not quite as understanding. So when they hear that you have a friend of the opposite sex, now it's a cock block Kind of <laughs> yeah. I can't think of a better term. Right. Sorry. Right. Yeah. No. No. That's that's completely appropriate. Yeah. I I always tease me. I'm I'm not gonna cock block her. So far, uh, there's well, a... better than calling it like vag blocking. Or something. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's just no good way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Vag blocking. We're we're taking it back. <laughs> yeah. Maeve and I have a uh, a a very good and healthy platonic uh, friendship. Uh, when it comes to dating, especially if I need advice about. Anything and this uh, this a range of things. What do you do? Do you think I'm doing this wrong? What do you think? What do you think this means when they say that? You know, we go back and forth like this, clear on down to, hey Maeve, which shirt do you think I ought to wear? <laughs> well, that's so, good because you you have to get the other sex's perspective. Absolutely, yeah. because we're living in our own little bubbles and we have no idea what the other person's thinking. Well, you right. think about the time when everybody is typically single. And that's going to be uh, high school, college, shortly thereafter. Uh, once you hit your mid-20s, that's when you and most of your friends, I think, start getting either heavily coupled or getting married. Yeah. And uh, at the time, when you're in your late teens, early 20s, it's really, really normal to have uh, friends of both genders. Because mm -hmm. they're, I don't know, people you went to school with, just whatever. And but now in uh, at the age that we're at, people find it incredibly strange. Yeah. You know, you might have a really close uh, friend of the opposite gender. And do you get well? Why don't you just date them, or why don't you just marry them when you're well, friends with somebody of the opposite sex? Sure, sure. That's a that's a natural response, and and my answer is this because. I like Maeve enough to not want to uh, have an emotionally destructive relationship that would last probably 60 days, given my track record. Maybe as few as five, given Maeve's track record. <laughs> yeah. So basically, uh, yeah, it wouldn't be worth it. it w that, that kind of thing would not be worth it. Uh, Maeve and I just, we both acknowledge that we make better friends, that, I, that ours is, a, is better as a, as a platonic friendship. It just sucks that there's a stigma yeah. out there. and. I probably have contributed to it myself unknowingly. Mm. Just like, oh yeah, they're that's so and so, but she's female. Can't hang out with her. Can't yeah. talk to her. Not gonna you know, I, I'm actually friends with a lot of my exes mm -hmm. but I don't have a lot of communication with them because I don't want to cross that line because well, I'm married. It would be deemed inappropriate. Yeah. Right. Particularly as a married person. Yeah. Yeah. But uh... I've been in a long-term relationship with somebody that I was friends with for ten years before. Now this was this was you know somebody I met uh, in school way back when. We were friends for ten years, and uh, uh, the the friend zone. I thought I was in the friend zone for a long time until we got into our early twenties, and then she wanted she decided that that was. Uh, that that was something that she wanted. She wanted a romantic relationship with me. 
and we were together for like an additional two years and the whole thing melted down it wound up being fucking awful and i lost the friendship the relationship and uh it was just it wasn't worth it we we weren't compatible that way we lived together together for like two years and there was a lot of there's a lot of fucked up misery there because <laughs> it just didn't uh, didn't want to work. So. Yeah, I, I think the only time I've ever had a one night stand in my life was a friend, mm. and we decided to do that, and then the next day we nope. <laughs> <laughs> We're luckily still friends, but that doesn't happen very often. Right. Yeah. And you figure it out real quick that you're just that's not what you're in it for. Yeah. And I think we, both of us, I'm, I'm speaking for both of us, but I think we, we've both talked about this a little bit, that, um, you know, if one of us does find somebody to date uh, in, a, in a more serious way, that can make having a close opposite gender friendship bricky. Yeah, yeah it, it would be easy for there to be uh, uh, jealousy issues and things like that, so... Uh, I guess for me, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to find somebody who's uh, who's who's pretty goddamn good for me to want to be in a relationship in the first place, and then you know, mm-hmm. make sure that they're that they understand that my co-host and I <laughs> do wind up talking a lot because, well, it it has a lot to do with our our podcast now. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess that's you have an excuse, you yeah. have a reason. It's not just. I'm going to hang out and watch Lost, you know, right. <laughs> with somebody on a Sunday night. I'm going to go cuddle on the couch with my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's... Instead, uh, Maeve and I decided that we were going to uh, uh, be friends, and as we talked more and more and more, we decided that uh, it might be a really good uh, forum for us to be able to talk about a lot of these things that, you know, we're, we're, we're discussing ourselves, but yeah, two people who uh, in the wild might be attracted to each other, but aren't doing that, and instead we're we're having conversation about it rather than. Uh, I'm just trying to say, hey, this stuff is normal. Oh, yeah. everybody's going, you know, and everybody who's single at this point, and you're trying to date, everybody's going through the same stuff. Right, and each of us bring a, our own unique perspective on this to the table. Uh, you know, my being pretty much free-range swinging dick most of my life uh, as opposed to uh, Maeve who is uh, married for 15 years and is is getting back into into being single and yeah. you know that's two very different perspectives so but, but those are the two situations most people find themselves in they either never settled down or they've been settled down their entire life and then find themselves single through whatever means and what do you do, you know, and, and why do people think you're weird when you're single at 40 and or whatever age? But it, it sucks because I don't think you're weird. <laughs> well, we think you're weird. <laughs> I, know. I know. I've been happily married for 10 years now, and I've known my wife for even longer. And I will admit that I don't even, oh, let me put it this way. I hate admitting to people that I'm happily married. Because so many people have rough relationships that I'm almost ashamed to talk about my good one. That's exactly the problem with talking about getting a divorce is that when you're talking to people who are in a little bit of a rough relationship, uh, sometimes if they listen to you talk about your own divorce and like 
that, hey, you know, this is actually kind of going well. There's that idea that divorce can then become contagious because people who are not in such a great relationship go, oh, look at what they did. That wasn't, that wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. Maybe I should just do that too. (laughs) So yeah, whereas you have the guilt of talking to people because you don't have the bad relationship stories to share. I had a hard time talking to people because I I made getting out of it look okay. (laughs) But this is one of the first times I've heard of a divorce going cleanly and smoothly. Normally, I hear the the horror stories. Yeah, well... um, Especially when kids are involved. Yeah, and that's really a leftover from uh, previous generations where it really hasn't been that long since you had to have a reason to get a divorce. You had to go and justify that to a third party. Not just, hey, uh, I'm afraid she's going to kill me in my sleep, so maybe it's best if we just part ways, no harm, no foul. Instead, it's like, oh, no harm, no foul? Well, if there's no harm, then uh, maybe after she tries to kill you, we can work with that. (laughs) Anyone can literally get married by filling out a form, Mm -hmm. and you can get divorced just as simply? Obviously, there's there's more stuff that goes on because of splitting up assets and debts, but uh, and especially when children are involved, you have to make a plan for them as well. But it is not a thing where you have to prove he cheated on me, she tried to kill me, I, you know, <laughs> right. whatever. You don't. You can get divorced just because you realize that your lives have gone in in different ways and this relationship no longer meets your needs. And so our parents' generation looks at divorce as a nasty, nasty contentious thing. And now it just doesn't have to be. I mean, my my uncles are all going on their third and fourth wives. And each one of them costs them a pound of flesh. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, breakups suck badly enough. We, we, We have an entire episode... Yeah, um, just, now, just put one about, out on breakups. Yeah, I'm talking about a lot of this. Yeah. Breakups really do suck. Uh, we refer to them, and I'll always refer to them as a shit show. And adding legal elements and uh, having to split up your shit—I mean, that just gets even worse. Believe me, I don't recommend divorce. No. <laughs> if you can avoid it, don't do yeah. it. But yeah. don't stay in a bad relationship just for the fact that you are intimidated by the thought of it. Well, right. and that's, that's something that I've really have seen lately is I've seen people stay in horrible relationships with children and they actually say we're doing it for the kids and I'm saying that's the exact opposite reason you should be doing it you know you think you're giving these kids a structured stable environment but really you're you're showing them what an abusive relationship looks like (laughs) and you're normalizing it and that's exactly one of the reasons that I did go ahead and decide to get a divorce was because my, I mean, my husband, my ex-husband and I did not have a bad relationship. We just didn't have a whole lot of love left there. And I did not want to show my kids that that is the way that a normal, healthy adult relationship works. Rather than saying, hey, we're going to stay together for the kids, understanding that uh, it's not a divorce that destroys a child. Mm-hmm. It's living in a high-conflict home. Yeah. Because I, I, I know a lot of people that have come from, you know, single parent homes and 
I'm, I'm one of them. Yeah. <laughs> that's hardly an, an endorsement. <laughs> yeah, anyone that's listened to my personal story <laughs> probably isn't the best. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, that's, that's just you being you. Uh, I come from a family where my parents are, are still married to this day. Mm-hmm. And their relationship hasn't been abusive or anything. I just understood early on that there were times... A lot of times where my parents had to spend time in opposite ends of the house for like most of the evening before, you know, they would congregate together to watch a show or two before bedtime. That was the Cold War, the Uh, treaty signing. The treaty signing after dinner, (laughs) followed by sleep. Yeah, and their dynamic worked for them, I guess, up to as much as they wanted it to. And they're still together, seeing how... My parents' marriage work. I, I worked. I honestly, I love my parents very much. But looking at that, uh, for me, it was always: Do I want to have that kind of a thing going on? Mm. And that led me to decide that I didn't want children, and uh, has kept me from uh, from getting married. And having finally gotten to this point, just in the past year, where I've you know explored myself enough to know that you know the traditional. Marriage and children is not going to be the way that I'll live my life. I have to come up with my own path and my own way of doing that stuff that that makes me happy and comfortable. You know that that's that's where I want to be. Right, but you get to do that. I you get, get to, to do figure that. out whatever the heck it is you want to do. Yeah, and again, our podcast is is part of a. I get to use that as kind of a sounding board for some of this shit that, you know, I I wonder about, worry about, think about. And uh, I hope that if there is one person that is helped by our podcast, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, on that note, though, were your parents married, divorced? Uh, My parents uh, were married, um, were never divorced. Uh, but I did grow up in a really conservative home where it uh, it was very normal to me that that I could go probably for weeks without even seeing my parents touch each other enough to hold hands. That is, in a way, the, the marriage that I wound up in, you know? Just the great companions, uh, seemingly not a whole lot going on aside from great companionship and uh you know it's it's interesting you you really can look at things and see the patterns just continuing and and that's that's why i got divorced is because i wanted to break the pattern Mm -hmm. because it's that old saying you you turn into your parents you do (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and for me that is a really frightening prospect i don't want that (laughs) when somebody ends up in this situation and they're they're later on in life and they become single. What is your best advice to them on how to deal with the situation? What should they do and not do? <laughs> the best piece of advice that I can give anybody in that situation is instead of viewing this as being a, a, a really rough and terrible time in your life where you don't have another person where you start cataloging all of the things that you don't have anymore and all of the negative feelings in your life instead try and view this as some kind of an opportunity to do what you want to do to be mm-hmm. the person you want to be to find out what it is that will make you happy and to pursue that 
don't just turn it into woe is me woe is yeah. me I've been woe is me before I've been through uh, a lot of breakups and there there were a few that just really took me down a peg that really kind of laid me out for a while I would I would go through uh, uh, kind of a, a lot of long depression where I wanted to sleep and you know pull the blinds and just you know let the world go away there were even times where I contemplated suicide because I was just in that dark a place so I know that it's easy at times to be pushed to a point where you start to feel like you'd rather things end than continue as they are and you have to stop and reverse your thinking well and i think a lot of that has to do with staying busy yes um you know whenever you have something big going on in your life uh like for instance um when my mother started to get very ill before she passed away, I found that during that time, it was easier to just stay busy, to have something to focus my time on other than my woes. And I think that's a great piece of advice for people who have just become single is, hey, remember when you used to have hobbies? Right. <laughs> Start a podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, literally that is how, uh, if I wasn't doing this, I would be dating and trying to pursue another relationship because that's my, that's my programmed thinking. That's what I've always taught myself or said to myself in some way, which is a fucked up thing. And I've been this fucked up person where you start to think that the only problem with me can be solved by another person which is that's the horrible it's ridiculous that's the most yeah. horrible thing to think that is that is you basing your own self-worth solely on whether another or not per- you have a relationship and that is a that that is not at all a good a, a good way to be that's 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 sort of that makes you sort of psychologically ill and sadly <laughs> to build upon that i've seen a lot of people that are in maybe a, a poor relationship and then they think well, maybe if we have a child, oh, yeah. that's the solution. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, that, it a child is a way to stay busy. Yeah. And it does distract you for a little while from your bad relationship. But your ba- relationship is not going to go and get better Yeah. after that distraction yeah. is has cleared itself somewhat. Doubling down that way is probably going to... It's going to create more stress in the relationship. Mm. Uh, more than whatever it is that's making you unhappy to begin with. But going back to the, the kind of the woe is me and stop that thinking, uh, just because I do a bunch of science podcasts and, and uh, psycho, uh, psychology podcasts, they always say that your, your, your thoughts are like walking through a field and you create a path, you know, you mash down the grass yeah. as you continue walking that same path. And if you keep going down the negative one, well, that's the path most cleared. And, and so it's the easiest one for... It's the path of least resistance. Exactly. Yeah. And you have to literally cut a new path. You have to yes, think Yes, you have to actually try. Yeah. You won't find yourself feeling better about the crappy things that are going on in your life just by sitting around in your living room and hoping that something better waltzes through your four walls. <laughs> because it's not going to. You have to actively get out there and do it. Yeah. And, and whether you need counseling, therapy... Yeah, uh, yeah you may need s- counseling, therapy, medication at some point. 
I've had all those things. Yeah. Right? At some, at one point or another. Spiritual awakening, whatever it may be. Whatever your yeah. thing is, yeah. Uh, or becoming addicted to something else. Yeah. That, yeah. I was addicted to this relationship. Now I'm re- now maybe I'm re- I'm addicted to drugs. Yeah. Maybe I'm addicted to religion. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm addicted to something else entirely. But yeah, you playing video games. Yeah, playing, playing video, video, video games. That's probably a big one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's easy to fall into cuz it's right in your house. Right. And it's not considered taboo by most. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's like oh, drinking or smoking. You know, if I if I say, oh, I'm going to go snort some Coke in your bathroom, you're going to think, what are you doing? But if I'm going to go step outside and have a cigarette. Yeah, well, you're like, no, whatever. No, no problem. So it's just little things like that. that... To find a, a, a constructive way of occupying your time that you find satisfying that doesn't hinge on finding that next person. Looking for that particular next high. Yeah. Yeah. Do something more constructive. Especially if you can have a hobby, a new hobby, that will help you make new friends. Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah, and it's even better uh, if it's if it's a hobby that, you know, gives you outlets for some of the other energies in your life, you know? Um, well, like, if, if you like to ride your bike, you can join a biking club. Absolutely. Where you then do a lot of bike riding... And you meet a lot of new people, and oftentimes those, you know, people will do other social functions other than just getting together for rides. So I, I always recommend to people, whatever your interest is, go take a college course on it. Sure. Go to col- go back to college. You don't have to go for a degree. You just go take a class, and now you're surrounded by other people. And if it's a night class, it's probably adults that are more your age, mm-hmm. and you all have this possible common interest in psychology or whatever the class is about and that's an icebreaker well and that's that really is all it boils down to you have to put yourself in the company of other human beings (laughs) yeah human beings are not made to be isolated anytime you ever hear about anybody who spent a lot of time in isolation that's a person who who becomes deeply troubled yeah. The mind starts to turn on itself if it doesn't have anything to focus on outside. And so then we have this weird combination with online dating of feeling like you're trying to put yourself in the company of other human beings, <laughs> except you're not actually leaving your right. house. <laughs> you, you do get to interact, but your interactions are, are kind of limited. So, so. How, how do you go about doing the online dating thing at your age? <laughs> Well, I, there's a really good podcast on uh, how to build a profile for that. Yeah. 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 I just did that. <laughs> kind of meta. Is it, is it called, called Sexland? It, I've it, heard it, of it's that called, one. Yeah. It's, it's really fabulous. Oh, the people there are so witty and charming. Do you find that there's other profiles out there of other people that are in your exact same situation? Oh, no end of Oh, oh, tons and tons and tons and tons. So and you're not alone. No. No. Oh, you are gosh. not alone. Hundreds. Hun- mm. I don't even care if you live in a small town. There are still going to be a whole bunch of people that are around you if you use one of the bigger uh, dating sites, like right. OkCupid or Tinder. Yeah. And a lot of them will, a lot of these dating sites will let you uh, specify what it is that you're looking for, not necessarily in a, in a specific person, but the kind of relationship that you're open to. OkCupid, okay, we always use that as an example because it's huge. It's got a lot of, uh, a lot of specifics that you can add into to your profile and your preference and things. And one of those specific things that it asks about is what type of relationship. And they give you quite a few examples. And some are just friends. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're going to add that one in. And 
it's nice to actually be able to find people to make friends with because uh, like like I, I was saying in my own situation there was a time recently where I was not going to be good for anybody to have a relationship with but friendship that was like right up my alley that's what I needed yeah mm -hmm. so yeah and I think it actually would be nice if somebody would make something that was like tinder for friends Friender. Friender. <laughs> Wind up in within the next couple years. Well, and we, we live in the Midwest. Yeah. But on the East and West Coasts, and especially the larger cities, people are not getting married until much later. Mm -hmm. People are not having kids until much later. People are not getting married at all. Yeah. <laughs> and it's... Fucking weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's starting to catch on. But, you know, everything starts on the coasts and then sort of moves inward. Uh, but it's, it's a regular thing. Now, being from Kansas City myself, I know that when I was looking for dates in my mid-20s, every single female I found in her mid-20s had already been divorced and had kids. There was very few women when I was in the dating scene that were single, no, no prior marriages or anything. It was almost, un, like, it just wasn't found anywhere. And, right. And now I, I, I'm fairly certain that that's not... You can find anything. Yeah. And everything. I mean, everything from people who are, uh, you know, either single just totally by choice or, or, or because they're divorced or whatever, but they're out there and loving it. They're having a great time. They're, you know, doing their thing. They're happy. They're upbeat. You, what was the screen name that I just showed you yesterday? There was a guy whose screen name was Lost and Broken 17. <laughs> Lost and Broken 17. The fact that that was number 17 <laughs> yeah. makes me think that he probably should have found where the other 16 dudes were and they should form a support group Seriously. or a bowling league uh, yeah and the the profile picture that he had with that was like oh wow you really are <laughs> you know he was looking the part so that's a that's a no-no <laughs> right. yeah yeah God, yeah you stay away that. from yeah stay away from negativity in in your profile altogether and try try to make it look like you you've been awake for a few hours before you start taking <laughs> pictures there is there, there are a flood of these profiles where it's just a, a series of negative things highlighted every now and then with qualities that you might actually want in somebody that you were going to date. But all these negatives are outweighing, you know, one or two positives. And uh, so they're lost my job, lost my wife, lost and broken. Yeah. Or if this is you and then they list off all the traits of their ex-husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't call me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, those are those are those are a big thing. The the uh, the profiles that have the the two lists. I like this, I don't like this. Yeah. And I can understand, you know, your experiences might tell you that, but what that's telling me mostly about is shit, you've been burned. You've been yeah. burned yeah. a lot. And you're 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 looking you and you're getting tired. You're, you're getting tired of this shit. And you're angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's simmering just oh, yeah. below the surface. I, I you know, flipping through profiles like I do. Uh, I found I found one that was this was a very angry person. Her pictures even looked angry. She was angry uh, about any number of things that she had on her don't list. And it was a really, really impressively long list. But it was it was pretty obvious that that was a person who was just getting fed up, and 
when you start to let that let negativity about dating and and relationships permeate it to the point where you're starting to even make your online uh, your online persona reflect that stuff it might be time to take a step back <laughs> find something else to do other than date and uh, be a happier person on your own be a happier person on your own and when the time comes when you feel happy and fulfilled and whole and complete then go back to online dating and bring your positive energy with you because people are going to pick up on that when they read your profile especially when they start talking to you chatting with you yeah and it doesn't matter whether really you're talking about online dating or trying to meet people in person absolutely if you're if you're rolling with the the negative energy there is not a whole lot there for somebody to grab onto and go, Oh, I like that about that person. Yeah. Well, I mean, would you fill out your resume for a job with, I don't, you know, get along with management. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like getting up in the morning. If you're going to tell me what to do, there's going to be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you wouldn't fill out a resume or go to a job interview for that. That's so an why, excellent point. So yeah. why would you want to put yourself out there to find a mate yeah. <laughs> or somebody that you want to spend time with that way? Yeah. And I, I get that we all post on our Instagram and Facebook how wonderful our lives are when that's just a thin veil behind, you know, and there's chaos behind that. I think generally the couples who are the most um, out and and in your face on, on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, generally I think those are the people with the worst relationships. <laughs> I, my wife and I, we barely post anything. Because you don't feel like you need to because you're actually happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm very Facebook light um i have my facebook account for for the podcast and i haven't fleshed that one out yet because i'm not even sure how i'm going to handle a photograph i don't necessarily want to be stalked say in a grocery store it's happened to me i know justin (laughs) i know i like the that you brought up negativity in in a profile because just negativity in general yeah exactly exactly but you're you're trying to present yourself to others you're trying to make yourself more desirable and and even if fake it till you make it that's exactly it yeah you know winding up falling into that kind of negativity it does wind up permeating every aspect of your life and if you've got that kind of negativity you need to do something better otherwise you're just you're you're condemning yourself to a bad life. Now I know that there are external factors that make people's lives difficult. You don't have control over every aspect, but what you do have control over is the way that you respond and how you behave. So do you have a guideline for people that are freshly divorced, how long they should stay single before they jump back into the dating scene? That's an excellent question. And of course the answer is, (laughs) It totally depends. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is going to be subjective. I think different. it really depends on how uh, how contentious your last relationship was. If you're getting out of that relationship feeling like people suck, they're ter- don't inflict yourself upon other people. Right. You know, seriously. Uh, my most re- recent relationship, that lasted a little over a year and a half, something like that, between a year and a half and two years that we were together. And... I, I was worried for a while as I was moving and getting everything, you know, everything set up so that I would have a, a place to be other than that. And I had so many worries about how that was going to go that I wasn't sure how I was going to behave once I had time to stop, take a breath, and reflect. And everything that I felt 
at that point was relief. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't a horrible sense of loss or anything. And, you know, I felt bad mostly about how it had ended uh, and, and the effect that I, that I had had on somebody to make them feel really horrible. But by and large, I was, I was okay within a month and a half, two months. Mm-hmm. It was, I think it was at the, at the two-month mark uh, uh, was when I went ahead and started getting back into uh, looking at online dating and that kind of thing. And instead of missing this other person, instead I was like, oh, God, I don't want to wind up with with the same kind of shit I was just in. Well, you know, know, I think I remember reading something in in an advice column at some point. And and I don't even know if this is good advice. But but their thought was, however many years you were together, be single for that many months. That's what I go by. That's totally legit, yeah. And and I didn't read it anywhere. That's just what I've gone by my entire life. Uh, Yeah. Or however long you've been with somebody stay single for a tenth of the time that sure. you're you know so if it's a year it's a month or two kind of that way yeah right yeah and i think that's reasonable and i also think it's reasonable to get to the point where you're pretty sure it's okay you're okay and then give it another month <laughs> <laughs> yeah so there's there's no hard and fast rule for that but the the that that's a that's a good guideline. I've I've used yeah. that one before, and there, like I said, there have been some relationships where I was I was ready to to get back into something else pretty quickly, and others where it just it seemed to take as long as the relationship had lasted for me to get past it. What do you think somebody's expectations should be when they become single or are single later on in life, uh, and they're making a dating profile? Like, should a 40-year-old man put down a 20-year-old? What, what kind of expectations should somebody have? Well, that's a, that's a funny question because, unfortunately, it is very, very different for men and for women. Mm-hmm. Online dating uh, for men is generally you're going to send out a whole bunch of messages. And what... Uh, I think... Uh... My my response rate, you know, I, I send out 10 messages, I might get one or two responses. So 10%. <laughs> Ideally. If it's working like it should, yeah, 10%. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you are a 40-year-old man, understand that because your response rate is going to be so low, you do really kind of have to stay in your wheelhouse. Women get so many messages from all kinds of people that that they really uh they they really get to pick and choose and so if a 20 year old woman i i I don't know she might have a a thing for dudes twice her age i mean i guess it's possible but you know if a 20 year old woman has literally a hundred messages in front of her and you know 50 of them are just people she wouldn't even consider and then uh 30 of them are people her age and 10 of them are people her age that she finds attractive you're gonna have a hard time standing out in that field unless you kind of stay in as a man unless you kind of stay in your wheelhouse do you think that there are more single men out there or do you think well you know it's interesting there are uh statistics that are published by uh, specifically by OkCupid because they do uh, a lot of right they they accumulate a shit ton of data yeah De- demographics all that's that. a that that's a scientific term by the way shit ton, shit ton? <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I believe that uh, that their number isn't it that it's roughly 50 50 wow 
Um, I, I haven't actually Men seen the numbers myself. I'll tell you the truth. I'm not. I'm talking off the top of my head, but if I recall correctly, it's roughly fifty-fifty, and I do believe that that's true. It's just it's there's a, a, such an uneven distribution of how people communicate that it can it can look like there's so many more men than women. So it's a buyer's market for women. Absolutely. But there's the same amount of men and women looking. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Unless it's. Ashley Madison, then there's actually no women out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then they're all just sex bots or... Yeah. 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 And that's the other thing I, I guess you should warn people about is there's a lot of fake female accounts and probably yeah. male accounts that are just websites, cam girls, sex bots. People trying to sell pictures, nudie pictures of... of there's one that happens a lot to women, and I've gotten one of these. I, I didn't respond to it, but uh, apparently you'll get a, a message that is supposedly from uh, an American soldier deployed overseas. What? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. pretty reprehensible. And this guy, oh, who knows? He needs money to get some stuff from the commissary. Oh, his grandmother died, and he doesn't have enough money to get the flight back home. And he sure would like to see you when when he gets back to the states when he's he's there. Well, of course, you know any of these scams to get you to send money. Yeah, guys, uh, the one that I keep running into, if you if you start talking to somebody and you're like, oh yeah, I'm in I'm in Peace Corps, I'm in Africa right now, or I'm working with the UN in Africa, That's... whatever reason, I'm in Africa right now and i'll be headed i'll be moving back to where you live to your community very soon um start asking them about local teams and landmarks if they don't know anything about if they don't if they don't know anything about your town that's a that's one way to figure it out and uh, another one is when they ask for a little bit of money it's not even a good porn plot no (laughs) (laughs) it is not and uh, there are a lot of those things that pop up. and I mean, I would go so far as to say, if you get anyone who is contacting you from outside of the country, especially if they say, hey, I'm moving back to your town, just say, okay, then contact me when you get here. There you go. Yeah. So there's a lot of fakery, a lot of... Scams. Scams. Yeah. There, there are certain sites that are just rife with it. Yeah. Uh, but there are there are some places that do a better job of weeding that kind of thing out, and uh, and you don't have to worry about that quite as much. But it just is one of those things when I, I mean, basically, when you're anywhere online, mm-hmm. you know, this is true. And not to scare people off, because I want people that are no. These are these are definitely this, this is the exception, not the rule. Yeah. And yeah. we're talking we're talking. Yeah. Uh, probably for me, that's one interaction in fifty. Okay. So it's not not even that pervasive. But how scary is it going out on that first date? Oh, this is another one that I think is different for men than women. What What's your experience like? Because, with okay. Well, first uh, dates? I, I working up to a first date. Yeah. Okay. There's you wind up uh, exchanging messages quite a bit, and when you feel comfortable enough. There is usually an exchange of telephone numbers where you'll either switch to text or if you're uh, like me and 40 and you remember the good old days when the the phones that we have, they make audio connected phone calls. (laughs) So uh, depending on how 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 much you've communicated and it could be, you know, anything from like, you know, 
talking one talking in the afternoon to deciding to meet meet for a beer at night. I mean, it's going to vary, and I've had that happen. I'm never the person who's pushing for that. I usually give it like a one week. We'll, we'll communicate for a week before I start bringing up the idea, hey, we've been conversing for a while. Would you actually like to meet? Because if you don't do that, then you wind up in this situation where you might have had a lot of communication with somebody, built it up in your mind, and then when you meet them three weeks later and uh, one or the other of you is just not interested... Then you've got all, like, three weeks of, of looking forward to it that, you know, you feel crestfallen. Is it even very scary to ask for the date at that point? Because, I no. mean, you both know what you're there for. I mean, no, I would that's... imagine that's less scary than asking Absolutely. for a date in person. The fact that that person is talking to you, that, that, that you're engaged in that conversation on a regular basis, saying, would you like to go get a beer, want to have a coffee, something like that? At, at that point, it's usually men having to ask. That's not always the case, but... We come from a culture where men pursue women, and so as pursuer, typically. you're the one. Yeah, typically. So for men, it's interesting to listen to the language that you use, because you could just keep talking about being, like, disappointed or crestfallen, whereas as a woman, I'm thinking personal safety. Yeah. Like, don't, don't, don't want to get raped and murdered. Yeah. World of difference. World of difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, always meet somebody in public. Don't have them come pick you up in their car. Um, you know, just, just take basic precautions. And these things don't have to be too scary. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I went out with a guy recently. We were on a first date. And he just kept inviting me to come back to his house. And this was just sending up... He was probably perfectly nice and meant nothing by it, but it was just sending up these gigantic alarm bells with me. And I was like, I'm going home. Yeah. Well, and it's because guys just don't think that way. So it it probably was nothing. Probably. probably wasn't Richard Ramirez or Ted Bundy. But (laughs) those guys are... uh, There are some... Who are out there. Yeah, they, they are out there. And and I am a fan of too many uh, <laughs> true crime uh, outlets to, yeah. uh, to not know. Yeah, but, but if a guy invites you to his crawl space, don't go. <laughs> Men, we, we just don't think that way. So they, right. we will say the dumbest crap and not know how we're coming off a lot of the time. I feel good about saying that I think the majority of men will say dumb crap and not mean harm. Exactly. we need to learn how we're coming off so we can get a date. (laughs) Right. And and not uh, scare them off. Because because personal safety, personal physical safety, is a really big deal for women in these situations. Despite the fact that men think to themselves, I'm a perfectly nice guy. I would never hurt anybody. Why would anybody think that about me? Yeah. Yeah. And if one of you is putting out boundaries, like, I only want to meet in a public place, or uh, I, I want to make sure that I'm driving myself. If you're if you're putting up those, if one of you is putting up those boundaries, then both of you need to respect those boundaries. Right, because now not only does it seem a little bit strange that uh, that this guy is pushing me to do something that I've already said I wasn't going to do, but uh, he, he, yeah, he's also trying to transgress basic boundaries that I've set up, and if he's going to do that on the first date, what's it going to be like for the rest of the time? Yeah, right. when you get into the bedroom. It's a respect issue. Yeah. Yeah. For men, first date, not so scary. 
Um, unless you're just nervous that, oh, wow, I really hope this person likes me. Uh, if you're a woman, there's that extra layer of, I hope this guy is likable and... Uh, Doesn't is not... turn me into a lampshade? Yeah. This guy... <laughs> Ed Gein? Yeah. 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 So have you ever been on To Catch a Predator? Uh... <laughs> have a seat. <laughs> <laughs> what are some first date conversations you should have or even before like pre-first date conversations to hmm. weed and filter people out like i don't know political stance. you know what actually this is it's a funny thing that you bring that up because with the extremely contentious uh political climate that we've had over the last you know year or so whatever uh Getting into the discussion about... Uh, Who did you vote for? Yeah. And I was in a conversation with a guy that I thought was, you know... I, I didn't think we were, like, vibing majorly, but we were having a decent conversation. I thought, you know, this guy seems all right. <laughs> and then I found out who he voted for, and uh, that was the end of it. Yeah. That was the end of the conversation. Yeah. And as a man, uh, looking at women's dating profiles you know skimming going through and reading everything there are a lot and i do mean a lot who will say if you voted for our current president don't message me yeah because of his reputation with uh mm-hmm. with well for whatever things. reason but yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, um, politics can politics can be a major absolutely uh line in the sand yeah three things that people will get in fistfights and bars over politics religion and sports so you got to be up front with your political leanings you got to be up front with your religious beliefs you got to be up front with your sports team <laughs> um, and you got to be up front whether you want children or not whether you have children yeah things. i think That's, some of those things are yeah yeah have that conversation as early on as possible because otherwise you could wind up well yeah this is something that that, that we've kind of talked about that um if you don't get into those things before your first meeting. If you're thinking, oh, I have three kids and that might not be the best thing or that be perceived by a certain person as the best thing that they want. Well, I'll just meet them anyway and then they'll like me so much once they meet me that everything will be fine. Right. That is rarely going to be the situation. If something is going to be a deal breaker for somebody, it's going to be a deal breaker from them before you meet. It's going to be a deal breaker for them after you meet. So if you have things that you know are deal breakers, and believe me, I have plenty of them. I mean, that are about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know. Um, then just just get them out of the way. There is no point in wasting people's time. And, and having and, and your own and having to sit across from the table from someone as you uh, as you discuss this thing and then watch their face. Yeah, seeing disappointment or disgust cross their face—that's not something you're going to be able to build on. It is much easier to get a "Hey, it was nice talking to you." Bye, and <laughs> yeah. move on yeah. than to be in a public place and watch their attitude go from, oh, I'm so excited to meet you, to, oh my god, how the hell do I get out of here? Yeah, yeah. Excuse me, I gotta go to the bathroom. I have to call somebody to have them call me in five minutes to get me out of this date. <laughs> so, uh, other conversations that you'll want to have before uh, before a first, before or by the first date are going to be uh, things about your interests. 
you'll want to have copious discussion about mutual interests. Otherwise, if this is somebody who's really interested in a lot of, uh, let's say, let's say, uh, adrenaline junkie activity, you know, somebody who who really enjoys jumping out of airplanes, hang gliding. Um, and you're afraid of heights, and that's just not your thing. If you're more of a homebody, get that shit out of the way immediately. Otherwise, uh, the match that you're in is not going to be one that's going to carry you very far. Yeah, and it does. Your your match does not have to be perfect. No, with people. You can give all kinds of people a chance, but if if there are big things, you you can get them out of the way and and just not yeah you know bother. Yeah, and the conversation about do you have kids? Yeah, that's a big one, and this is just. From dates I've been on with women who have described some of the things that they've been surprised to find out, it's like they they were dating somebody for a few months before he mentioned that he had kids. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh. not huh? very important to him. Apparently. Yeah, let's let's <laughs> have a discussion. Of, yeah, you have to ask. Wind up asking weird questions like, "So, are you married?" <laughs> Which would you would think would be a no brainer, uh, and. But there are uh, there are people who are in open relationships, and usually those things are advertised somewhere in the pro- profile. Because if they're not, then you have to worry about the consent of the other partner. But Speaking as somebody who I live a, an ethically non-monogamous lifestyle, I don't I don't lie to anyone about the fact that I date other people. But uh, but I I do date more than one person at a time generally, and in amongst the community of people who are in open relationships, this is one of the things that gets talked about is when do you tell? Mm-hmm. And I've always been mystified by any answer other than immediately. immediately. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is not a, oh, you know, things are going so great and we've been together for so long. I think I'm ready to take that next step. I bought you this ring. Oh, that's wonderful, but I don't know if my husband is going to like that, you know? <laughs> or my other two boyfriends. Yeah, yeah, there might be an issue there. Yeah, yeah. when do you tell shit? From the beginning, wear a fucking t-shirt that says it if you have to. Make sure that you're walking, that, that the other person is is aware of that right from the start. Because again, finding out that somebody else has somebody else on the side you know that there is a a third person in your relationship that you might or might not have been aware of well that's the ethical part of it (laughs) right (laughs) ethical yes yeah yeah Yeah. then you have to wonder what else is this person hiding you know you begin to question all of their ethics at that point right what what else have i been lied to about yeah and you know you're making somebody else feel like there was betrayal deceit when we first started talking about doing this podcast we uh as as we've said a number of times already, we have a really Jeremy and I have a really good uh, rapport speaking to each other, and had amongst ourselves kind of said, "Hey, there are an awful lot of people who don't find it very easy to talk to other people about sex and about relationship stuff and and about the really important things that hopefully." we are actually talking about in our own lives. And this is why Jeremy calls me sex positive mate. This is where this (laughs) joke comes from. Was because I do just, I'll talk about anything, you know? I don't feel embarrassed to talk about sex. I don't feel like it's weird. I think it's, it's great for people to really get a better understanding of how they feel about these things. And there are way too many people in this world who feel a little squicky about talking about this stuff, or at least uh, apprehensive. And we want to 
be two normal people having a normal sounding conversation yeah. about something that is normal, which is sex. Right. Almost 7 billion people on the planet because guess what? People are fucking... <laughs> apparently, kind of popular, they like it. Yeah. Pe- so, people do it a lot, I hear. Yeah. Yeah. In in those in those conversations with uh, with Maeve, as we started to talk about things, you know, I'm here, here. I am. I'm I'm 40 years old and still trying to f- kind of figure out my life. Uh, in talking to her and describing relationships I've been in, and you know, uh, having her perspective from outside of my life, looking in, where she can see things a little more clearly uh, than than maybe I can, being you know having to be involved in everything. Uh, she made observations about me and the lifestyle that I had been living that uh, pointed out that I am not the person that I always thought that I was. Even though you look at yourself in the mirror every day. <laughs> exactly. I'm 40 years old and I've, I'm still discovering new things about myself, surprising new things about myself, and I'm finding... Not only that that's probably a more common occurrence for, for people who are open to it, but that I kind of like knowing these new things about myself that I hadn't considered before. Yeah, a little bit of uh, self-reflection and introspection can... It can go a long way, yeah. It, can, it, it, it gives, you, uh, gives you new eyes to look at your life with. It gives you a, a perspective that you, that you hadn't entertained before and opens up new possibilities that might have been might have seemed uh, intimidating or scary or just just inconceivable and wrong before now you know uh, i i myself have have enjoyed the 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 process of of self-discovery at a point in my life when uh I should have already known everything about myself. <laughs> There's no should. I, I know. There's no no, no. Should. Right. When I say but... should, that's that's air quotes over the word should because we have a lot of misconceptions in our culture about uh, about what it means to be a healthy person, um, about what it means to know yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we're hoping that in uh, in the process of interacting with people on our podcast because that that is really one of the big things that we are going for we would love to have people start conversations with us because it's all about having conversations with people that is the point of our podcast it's us having conversations with each other it's hopefully giving some people maybe some ideas of how to have conversations with their own partners and we would love for them to have conversations with us yeah well we're only two people, and uh, we would like to hear more perspectives on the on the topics that we choose because a lot of these, uh, a lot of what we uh, say on the podcast has to do with our own experiences and our own points of view on things. And everybody's, uh, you know, the more people you add, the more points of view and experiences there are, and you can get a better idea of where the common ground for people is. Yes, somebody growing up. In our generation is different than 10 years from now, from 10 years ago. Yeah. Someone growing up in Louisiana, much different than California or New York. Absolutely. And we're not pigeonholing anybody into into age or anything. Uh, we're more interested in people as a whole. Our common threads as they pertain to sex and relationships and uh, how people are living their lives. 
as opposed to how somebody tells them that they should or the way that uh, uh, it's presented that is the correct way as opposed to how they're actually doing it. So, Sexland Podcast. Check it out. <laughs> totally check it out. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, I have a few more, more lighthearted, upbeat episodes planned and then few more serious episodes after that. I also am planning something for my Patreon supporters, so stay tuned. Hopefully it'll be fun.